Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast. I would say from the pod at the Indy Star headquarters, but the Indy Star headquarters shut down right now, as are most businesses with this whole coronavirus scare. So I'm joining you from my kitchen over in Midtown. I think, Greg, you're in your south, well, should I say what portion of town you live in? Have we talked about that you lived on the south side? I think we've mentioned yeah. that, haven't we? Oh, yeah, okay. I'm quite proud. I'm, I'm the few, the proud, the south side for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you sound a lot better than me because you look all official. You've got the uh, headphones and the microphone and the whole deal. It's well, yeah, and, and even with all my official deal stuff, I know I sound much worse than you. Period. You've got these golden pipes, whereas I've got this awful nasally southern nose broken twice voice. No, you're good. Did you break your nose twice in the ring? Twice. Um, one time, the first time. Uh, it was at Super Bowl week. We were in Phoenix. The Super Bowl was in Phoenix that year. I don't know, 2000, Glendale, Arizona, whatever year that was, 2008 or nine. And I'm, I'm, was it I'm Giants a, Patriots? Mm, Glen, Glendale was Giants. The first Giants Patriots was Glendale. Was that, that when was the Giants? The 07 season, February of 08. Yeah, the Patriots were undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, that was that, that must have been, and gotcha. I and I'm working out in in Glendale, and I'm I'm boxing a lot back then. So I find a little hole in the wall boxing gym, and a guy and this has never happened before. A guy walks up and says, "Hey, I've got a fighter. He's a a young pro or something. He's got and would he'd like to get some rounds in? Would you like to spar with the guy?" So I'm spar with the guy for about three rounds, and he breaks my nose, just breaks it in half in round three, I guess. Yikes! And I'm, and I'm pouring blood, and I went two more rounds because it was fun. And uh, boy, the I, the next day was media day, you know, the the Tuesday media day, and my nose, sure. <laughs> my nose was just—I mean, it looked like a banana on my face. Terrible. That's funny. Yeah, I've never broken. I, I broke a collarbone once playing uh, tackle football when I was in fourth grade, but that's the extent of my bone breaking. And I certainly have never broken anything in a fight. I broke a collarbone. Really any fights? Well, I broke my collarbone when I was two years old. I fell off a slide. And my parents, and they're, they're good parents, but they didn't, uh, I don't know why they didn't figure it out, but it took like a week of me walking around holding my arm at a weird angle for they realized, oh, something's <laughs> wrong with Junior. And they Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I had a broken collarbone. So it really is, first off, it's great to talk with you. I know we've texted back and forth, but I haven't seen you since we last recorded, which was almost a month ago. Because basically we recorded Tuesday, whatever day that was, March eleventh, something like that, before the big start of the Big Ten tournament, and then all hell broke loose right after that because you had um, the Rudy Gobert. Really, I think that was what was the domino that made all the other dominoes fall. The Rudy Gobert testing positive, because once the NBA postponed, then everybody was like, "Oh wait, hold on here," and that's when you saw all the other dominoes start to fall. But um, I would ask you if you've ever seen anything like this, but I already know the answer to that, Greg, but just kind of your reaction to what we've seen, this seismic change 
uh, of course, in our way of life, but from a sports standpoint of where we sit today with everything shuttered now for uh, the good part of the last three and a half weeks. Yeah, that was Tuesday, March 10th. And uh, no, there's, I mean, none of us have, I mean, we have all lived through, well, I, I guess worse. I mean, 9-11 was scarier and in the in the real time, I suppose, but this is unprecedented. We've never been through anything like this. I, I know humankind has been through things like this, the the Spanish flu or whatever, but that was, I mean, we weren't alive for that. So yeah, this is the worst, the worst long running thing we've been through. I mean, there are folks that are older and they're probably not listening to us, but they, they've been through Vietnam and world war two and all that. But this is our war. This is our war. And it's, uh, unlike any other war, the whole world is united. Like we're all, we're all fighting the same damn thing. And, you know, it's kind of like that movie. Um, I think it was independence day when uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum and yep. they got the fight the aliens and, and they're hoping that like in, someone in Russia or China, would somebody somewhere figure out how to beat this thing? And they, they figured out the way to beat it was whatever it was. And like Jeff Goldblum passed the word or someone says, yeah, share the, the word. Virus. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, actually, I think it was Bill Pullman, Bill Pullman spread the word or whatever. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're all, I, I, we don't need credit. Like, I don't care. Just like beating cancer, just like beating polio, Joe sure. Sock back yeah. in the day, just somebody figure out how to be, stop this because it's, I mean, it's going to end at some point. I don't mean to be Mr. Doomsday guy and, and say the world's ending, but until we beat this, I mean, it's going to, it's picking us off one at a time. Yeah. And that's the hope that you hold on to is the fact that you know, that it'll end. The scary part is, is that none of us have any idea when it's going to end and, we're all just guessing here, but given what you've read, what you've gathered, what's your best estimation for when we could resume sports again? Do you believe we'll have a football season? Do you believe that 2020 is a wash? Uh, do you believe that, you know, even the Indy 500 in August or some of these summer events could happen? I, I don't think, I don't think the Indy 500 is going to happen. I, I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. Um, Unless they decide to run that thing without fans, I, I can see that happening. I can see that, but can I see two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand people congregating here in in August? I mean, like I'm putting the chances of that are slim and none, and and I'm none is laughing very hard that we're putting him in the conversation. It's not going to happen. Um, uh, beyond that, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think the actual pandemic itself is going to be better by August for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. But I also think that quake has after has, has aftershocks. This thing is going to have aftershocks. There's going to be, it's going to start up again. You know, we're going to be on the, the good side of this, maybe in a month, maybe it'll start the numbers start, but it'll flare up. It'll, and, and when, when there's flare ups, they're going to avoid things like the Indy 500. Let's not have a flare up. Let's not, we've beaten the thing. Let's not let it come back because we started too soon. It's kind of like a, you know, Dusty Baker, when he was manager of the Reds, one time said something I thought made a lot of sense. He said, when I've got a guy who's hurt, um, whether he's coming off the DL or, or, or he's been hurt for a couple of days, I wait, till he, I wait till he's ready to play and then I make him sit one more day to make sure he doesn't re-aggravate it. And that's kind of where, where we need to be with this thing is let's get ahead of it somehow. And then let's not re-aggravate it by having the damn Indy 500 too soon. And I, and I mean, Lord knows I would like to write about some real sports and not just, I, mean, I like what I'm doing now looking for stories, but I'd like, I'd like it to be easy. I'd like yeah. there to be a story served up to me on a buffet, but right now it's, it's kill what you eat or eat what you kill. Uh, as far as sports stories go, I'd like to have the Indy 500 served up on a platter, but it's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, and if it's too scary to have a, uh, a basketball game with 10,000 people in an arena, you can imagine how scary it is to think about an event that has 25 times that amount of people all in one place. As much as I love the 500, I'm even wearing a 500 shirt right now. Um, it, it's When they announced it, I mean, I was glad that they didn't straight cancel it because I think you have to – you have to prepare for any sort of scenario that could play out here. Cause we just don't know. I mean, maybe everything is fine in a month. Maybe uh, magically we come up with a vaccine by June 1st. And then, you know, in, by the end of August, we're ready to, I, I have no idea that doesn't seem likely, but certainly anything is possible at this point. So I don't blame them for keeping the hope alive. But my first reaction was like you, Greg, where I, I just, I don't see an event of that magnitude happening just like i don't see uh coachella or any of these whatever rock concert festival things happening that are on this grand scale where you have um not only tens of thousands of people but even hundreds of thousands of people all gathering in one place and, and i wonder if we'll just kind of re-examine that uh in the future as well and and that's something that i'm curious about and this is probably a better conversation for later on but how how much of this changes things in sports forever? Like handshake lines. Do we go back to that? Uh, is there ever media locker room access again? It, are, are players even less approachable by fans now? Do we put these sort of protections in place even after this current situation with this particular strand of the virus is resolved? You know, it, it protocols change right, at times like this. And I, I know, and I wish I could see the airport in Raleigh-Durham right now, but um, to bring back 9-11 again, Raleigh-Durham had their best parking was, you know, obviously right by the terminal. And then 9-11 happened and they canceled that parking lot. Like, they, I mean, it was there, but you can't park here because we couldn't allow that sort of access to a terminal. It was that close. Sure. And for years those parking spaces sat empty and it taxed their parking garage and other things because the best spots weren't available. And I, and I'd like to know if did they ever decide, nah, we're going to roll the dice on, on this and we're going to let you park there, even though we know it's not safe mm-hmm. or, or not. So that, so to get to, which is what you're talking about. I, I wonder, yes, how many protocols that will clearly be changed when we first come back to sports, whether it's handshake lines or open locker rooms, whatever it is, how many, the, clearly the first couple of times we get back is it's going to be different. And I wonder, are they ever going to decide we're going to let our guard down and, and, and shake hands and hug and, 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 and also let the media just in baseball locker rooms, clubhouses, just lets you congregate there for three hours, four games mm-hmm. or, or not. I suspect the answer is not. This is a, this is a life changing thing and, and not the kind of life changing thing that, you know, that in, what is it called? The, the recency bias, you know, we're all sure. You know the, the the greatest boxer of all time is the one that's undefeated right now, and the you know the best basketball team franchise of all time, the best dynasty of all time is Golden State because you know they want whatever. That's recency bias, and I I don't think recency bias is gonna is gonna happen here with this. I think this was too life changing, too awful for us to risk going back. Yeah, and it'll all become normal, whatever the new normal is. But all it takes, like you said, and I. I really hate comparing anything to 9-11, but, you know, one guy brings an explosive in his shoe, and guess what? For the last 20 years, we've all had to take our shoes off when you go through. One guy tries to bring liquid onto the plane, guess what? You can't bring liquid. You know what I mean? All it takes is one thing, and and this is obviously a 
more than just one person. This is a, a huge scale of an event here. So um, I, I am interested to see when, when finally the dust settles on this, how many things, particularly in sports, that we see permanently change. Um, really the only active thing, because there's been no live sports since we last talked, Greg, the only active thing going on has been NFL free agency, and the Colts have been very, very busy. Now, we had talked plenty of times on this podcast about the possibility of Phillip Rivers coming. That was kind of the worst kept secret that there was, that there was a connection there. I'll be honest with you. I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. I, I, I read all the reports and I, uh, you know, a lot of reporters that know their stuff were saying these two were linked. And I was thinking to myself, eh, it doesn't seem to make sense to replace a stopgap with another stopgap. But um, for those that maybe haven't seen your reaction to the Phillip Rivers move, if, if I remember right, you're very much pro Rivers, correct? Well, I mean, I am. I, I I don't know what I've said to you because we've talked about him, you know, a lot. And I'm sure what I've said is that's not going to happen. Uh, I, I suspect. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and I was wrong, obviously. But I was wrong. The reason I was wrong is the reason why a lot of us are wrong and the reason why a lot of people are mistakenly thinking they're smart, including me, you know, back two months ago when I said it would never happen. But now and people think they're mistakenly think they're smart by noting that's not what Chris Ballard does. He doesn't do old. He doesn't trade draft picks for for DeForest Buckner. Well, the only Chris Ballard we know is GM, is a guy who had his franchise quarterback in place all three years. He had whenever he got here, he had luck all three years, including nineteen, when luck obviously retired. But that free agency in spring of nineteen, draft of nineteen, he had Andrew Luck. So we've never seen Chris Ballard without a franchise quarterback at this time of year, and we've never seen him also kind of decide, I've got a team where I think we can go for it now. We're no longer just you know replacing Ryan Grigson's stuff with my stuff. We now have enough talent in place that we're going to go for it. And that's why now you see a guy trading a draft pick for DeForest Buckner, and you see him bringing in a stopgap quarterback. You see, you see a guy that thinks we can win this year right now, so we don't have to worry about you know this year and in three years. Let's go for it right now with, with, you know, with responsibility. So that's why to him rivers made sense. And that's why we're seeing the moves he's making. And anyway, I like rivers. I like rivers in that context. Basically it's a zero sum thing. Do you like rivers or do you like Brissett? Well, of the two, I like rivers. So, and I'm biased. I'll admit that I don't dislike Brissett. You know, he's been, he and I have gone at it a few times that I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'll just acknowledge that. Just say, I know it's there, but I don't care. I do like Philip rivers. I mean, I, I covered him in college. I, I like him. So I'm. It's I'm, hard not to like him. Oh, it's well with the and, bravado I, and the whole thing. When he, when he's on your team, you like him. Maybe when he's on the other team, you hate him. But yeah, he's he's kind of like Archie Miller was, frankly, and they're both mm-hmm. in NC State together. Archie Miller on the court was a guy that that you know, and I, I I covered him and I saw the way they hated him at Duke and they hated him at North Carolina. They guys that look like Miller are hated by everybody else, but but if he's on your team, you love him. And Philip Rivers is the same way. I mean, guys that are feisty and, and strut and cocky and talk even good-natured, non-curse word trash, we don't like for our team. And then, you know what? That's our guy, and we love him. So th- if this fan base was going to tolerate Tom Brady, and they would have. makes me puke, but they would have. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll love Philip Rivers. Well, I like what you said about a lot of people are looking at it in the context of just Rivers kind of in a vacuum and, well, he's 38 and why are you giving this guy this much money? And it's like, look, guys, 
the Colts only really had two options, right? Where it, or the two options that they were thinking about: sign Rivers or keep Brissett and keep Brissett as your starter for another year. And to me, while I'm very meh on Philip Rivers, I think there's a very good chance that Philip Rivers might be completely and totally washed up. I was very, very much out on Jacoby Brissett ever being anything. So I firmly believe that the Colts needed to move on from Jacoby Brissett. So I'm cool with Rivers just because he's not Brissett. Really, it has nothing to do with Rivers. I can poke holes in Rivers all I want, and I agree with everybody else's criticisms of him. But I'm still open-minded to the fact that there might be something left for Rivers, whereas I don't think there's anything – it's not really left because he's still, what, 28 years old. I don't think there's anything there for Brissett. I just think – you know, we keep talking about how young he is and how much inexperience he has. Brissett's been in the league for four years. Brissett's got 30-plus starts under his belt. Uh, if there was something there, you would have seen it by now. Even younger guys flash something in those early years, and Brissett just hasn't flashed really anything. I, I think he's shown that he is a, a capable spot starter in a pinch. If your QB1 goes down, can he win you a game or keep you in it? Yeah, sure. Uh, but mostly he is just a reliable backup more than anything else. Yeah, and that's that's not an insult. There's only – I mean, I don't even know how many reliable backups there are in the NFL. Ten, if that. I mean, there's a very small fraternity of guys that, that are good enough to either start in the NFL or deserve to be a backup as opposed to just filling a roster spot because someone has to be there. He deserves to be a backup. Yeah. You know, in, in the best of ways. He deserves it. But, no, he's he's not he's not a starter. He's just not. We, I mean, we saw it, and he's not. Um, Rivers could be washed up for sure, but he is the anti-Jacoby in a lot of ways. And mainly, the, the, you, you, you picked the, the way people didn't like Jacoby. The way. And that is, he just wouldn't throw the ball downfield. He just wouldn't take any chances. He had six picks because he wouldn't throw the ball. He would he would not put the ball in harm's way. Mm-hmm. All Rivers does is put the ball in harm's way, and it costs him. He throws too many picks, but he throws picks. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's a gunslinger. Well, they they went from one extreme to the other. Uh, this extreme they went with is a lot more fun, if nothing else. It's funny because both guys really had th- their most blatant struggles in the 2019 season were in the fourth quarter because. The Chargers played a bunch of close games, and in a bunch of those close games, Rivers threw a backbreaking interception. And we know the Colts also played a bunch of close games. And in the fourth quarter, you wrote about it, Greg. Brissett was terrible. <laughs> you know, for, really, I, I I can't handle it with any more tact than that. I mean, he was just straight bad in the fourth quarter. So hopefully something gives there, and, and hopefully Rivers kind of figures it out because – when the game is on the line, that's when you need even a, a limited quarterback to step up to the plate and not kill you. And um, let's hope Rivers can make some of those plays for the 2020 Colts if there are uh, a 2020 Colts. And plus, you know, one-year deal, $25 million, uh, to me, you tell me if you agree with this, that's far less of a risk that the Colts are taking than what Tampa is taking with Tom Brady, where it's two years, fully guaranteed, $50 million. Um, I'd much rather take a flyer and then if it doesn't work out, who cares? I'll eat the money and the Colts are basically hitting the reset button and they're back to where they started. Then have to really invest in somebody and, and be in a, in a bad spot a year later where you know that he's not your guy, but you still have to pay. They basically have a, a two year. They have as many years as they want with Philip Rivers only. They're not on the hook for any of it. Um, you know, you hear about it. I guess it happens more in baseball, a player option. You know, a five-year contract, the, the fifth year is a player option or a club option. The 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 Colts have Philip Rivers for one year with a club option for the rest of his career. I mean, he if he's good, I, I don't. I hope nobody's worried that. What if he's good and we lose him? That's not going to happen. If he's good, then 
he'll be here again. He'll, he'll want to be here, here again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he'll finish here. He this is his last stop. Um, so they 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 have rivers as long as they want. Only they're only guaranteed, you know, for one year. So I think in that sense, it make it makes sense. Sure. You like to force uh, Buckner, huh? Yeah, I mean, sick. His body type is strange for that position it's to be six seven, two ninety five, three hundred. I mean, he's very he he's big. He's tall. He's long for that. It's hard to get that kind of leverage at that height. You'd think there's a reason most defensive tackles are built like refrigerators, and he's built more like a muscular telephone pole. But you know, he he's apparently the numbers say he's very good. Um, the the fact he was all pro second team and made a Pro Bowl two years ago that says he's very good. He's a real hard worker. He he's a very smart guy. I've talked to him. He's a great guy in the locker room and the community. We're gonna love him here. So yeah, I'm on board with that one big time. And he's young. He's he's young enough where I mean, this is not a guy like I, I wonder if he's peaked. I'm not saying he's gonna get any better, but he damn sure isn't starting to slide. Not at all. Oh God! If he stays exactly the same, then Chris Bauer's gonna be thrilled with only giving up the 13th pick for that. And yeah, you know, in free yeah. agency. In free agency, very rarely does a newly turned 26-year-old All-Pro become available. And so, you know, usually in free agency, you're sifting through guys that are that have played out their first contract and that had kind of underperformed. Or you're playing out guys that are 31, 32, and you're wondering how much is left in the tank, like what the Colts did with Justin Houston, or a bad example, what they did with Andre Johnson all those years ago. And what I love about the Buckner deal is that it just the stars kind of aligned for this to happen, right? Because the Niners, it's not that they didn't want to keep him. It's just that they couldn't. They had too many, sh- too, too many cooks in the kitchen, right, that they had to take care of, of this amazing defense. So they had to get some value back out of that. So, um, you know, here come the Colts kind of swooping in with a top 15 pick. And I, I think it's one of those deals that ended up being a win-win because – the 49ers get something out of a guy that they couldn't afford to keep, and the Colts get something um, in an established young player who uh, is, I think, far better than taking a chance on the 13th overall selection in a crapshoot draft. Yeah, the 13th pick could well prove to be, and there there will be a player in this draft that falls to 13, whether he gets picked at 13 or gets picked at, like Darius Leonard got picked at, what, 36 or whatever, 38th. Mm-hmm. There'll be a player below 13 that is going to be better than Buckner. What are the odds the Colts were going to pick that guy? Uh, anyway, just it's just much more certainty. You know what you're getting with Buckner. You don't know what you're getting with with the first round pick, and you don't know when you're going to get it anyway. However good he is, they did go the the, the way you're talking about. Get a guy at the end of his first contract who maybe underperformed. Xavier Rhodes, you know he's got a nice pedigree, real nice pedigree, and but and has had a nice year in his career, but it wasn't last year. So that that'll be interesting to see what he has left in the tank, and he he's more of a, a risk than Buckner. Um, but at the same time, cornerbacks are, they, they need them and they're hard to come by and roll the dice. Yeah. It's, it's Houston all over again, where you hope that he can regain some of his previous form as Houston did. Um, but you just hope, I think at this point that Xavier Rhodes at the very least can be a a solid option for you at corner. I I think the days of him being an all pro are probably over. And last year, um, it was the biggest joke in the league that he made the pro bowl (laughs) because he was Really, pound for pound, he was one of the worst corners. And who knows what happened last year? Maybe it was just a fluke. But um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watched every Vikings game. But um, pound for pound, last year, he was graded out as one of the worst cornerbacks in the entire league. But it, it, as you mentioned, Greg, he's still relatively young. So hopefully there's still a little bit of uh, something there. What do you think about wide receiver? Because that's really the one area. You know, we saw the Colts bring back LaRaven Clark. We saw them beef up on the defensive line. Um, they, they did the switcheroo with Desir. 
for Rhodes, uh, Sheldon Day as well, adding to that defensive line depth. But one area where they didn't really address is wide receiver. They lose Funches to the Packers, and I'm assuming that's going to be addressed in the draft. But um, how do you feel about where they're sitting right now, particularly at that spot? Is that their number one need? I love where they're sitting right now uh, because for the life of me, and, and you can get better everywhere, but for the life of me, I can't think of a single position of need outside of receiver right now. I mean, I mean, you could use more cornerback. They get better at cornerback. Got it. You know, gathers with this. I mean, uh, safety. They could get better at safety. I, I got it. But f- like they went to the off season, they needed a left tackle. Oh, Costanzo was going to stay. Okay, they needed help on the defensive line. Oh, they got two guys from a Super Bowl defense and defensive line. They needed more cornerbacks. Well, they've signed two. Um, they. This is the deepest receiver. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I mean, that's just what the experts say. I'm not going to pretend I know this, but all the experts say this is the deepest receiver class in in decades. The Colts are picking 34 and 38, and and then I think they have a third round pick too. I, I think so. I mean, they, yeah, they, they can yep. they can draft three receivers, and they and they better, and they can draft three receivers in a tight end, a a, a, a mobile tight, not the Jack Doyle's not mobile, but an Ebron type, less of a blocker, more of a downfield threat. They can just go gung ho on on receiving targets for Philip Rivers in the draft, gung ho. And if they do that, no one's going to write. Yeah, but what about that? No, there is no other position. There's receiver. They're in a great spot right now. Yeah, I mean, I, it it is a very deep draft according to everybody. So you think that even in the second round, you could. I, and I think one of those second round picks, if not both of them, is going to be receiver. Um, and then you're really just kind of filling out depth. I think at this point, Greg, um, I'd like to see them add another tight end. Um, Offensive line depth would help after losing Joe Haig. I'm, I, the jury is still very much out on LaRaven Clark, who apparently the Colts like. But if LaRaven Clark is any good, why can't he ever be active on game day, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the dude is a healthy scratch like every single week. Um, I'd like to see them address that. And, and I do think that uh, one of those draft picks in the second or third round is going to be used on a quarterback. Okay, yeah, I, that would make sense. I, I would like to see two receivers taken minimum. I'd like another corner. For sure they need offensive line depth because losing Haig and Josh Andrews are probably their two best, I think, unless I'm forgetting somebody, the two best reserve, reserve linemen. So th- they need – Well, yeah, because Park we didn't see because he didn't see the field last year. <laughs> right, <laughs> he was exactly. Because scratch every week. Right. Um, they, they've got spots they can get better. But as far as just glaring, glaring holes, it's receiver. And they can they can draft a bunch of them, and, and they better. You know, remember a couple of five years ago, I guess, Grigson took um, Fleener and then Dwayne Allen, like a back-to-back round yeah. or something, and that looked weird. And it's Fleener and Allen played a big role in that team that got the 2014 championship game. So they Ballard is, is unencumbered to get as many receivers as he wants, and he better get a bunch of them. Yeah, and I, I just think – and Ballard has been very defensive about this, about as defensive as, as I think I've seen him about the receiver situation last year. And I think some of it was bad luck. Like Devin Funches going down in the fourth quarter of the first game was bad luck. Um, T.Y. Hilton not being able to stay healthy consistently for the first time in his career for a 16-game season was bad luck. Um, but I think the Colts did themselves a real disservice last year going into – the season with as many unknowns as they did at wide receiver. Like, I think they were, I think they were thinking that Paris Campbell was going to be a big impact player. He was not, I think they were thinking that Deion Kane was going to turn into something. He didn't, at least not here. Um, I, I just, I, I wonder if Ballard doesn't want to go into the season, making a lot of assumptions again about that spot, especially with T Y Hilton now uh, past his 30th birthday. Yeah. I, I'm going to chalk that up to, 
there was a bunch of bad luck. Uh, Paris Campbell being hurt set him back. Funches, of course, hurt. Um, Deion Kane, I'm going to call that almost bad luck, almost because he didn't have a track record that says he couldn't play. We didn't know what he could do in games, but he had a track record that said, man, I mean, he's a, he's killing it before he gets injured in, in training camp and apparently had a decent training camp this year. It did, there was almost no way to know that you were going to be at, without all of those guys. They were just all going to fall off a cliff in shape, some shape or form. I'm going to call that bad luck, but he won't, Bowd won't let himself get there again. Um, at the same time, shoot, uh, He's about to bring in some untested guys. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know receivers. You don't know. They certainly don't know at 34 and 38 if they're going to make that make that transition. But, I, again, I like where they are. They're, they can actually, they're going to draft a bunch of them, and if they miss on one, okay, but they're going to hit on a couple of them. I do think, too, that naturally the receivers are going to improve with better quarterback play. And I do think that they're going to, you know, the question is how much better of quarterback play are they going to get? But I, I do think that they're going to get improved quarterback play with Phillip Rivers. Well, and the athletes, um, the guys like Hilton and Paris Campbell and whoever they draft, the, the explosive guys are going to be able to go downfield and do something as opposed to, Hey, we're going to throw the ball. We're going to give you the ball four yards down from the last scrimmage and go make something happen. Go get us some yak little bitty guys. No, they're going to get the ball down the field. Uh, the offensive line is, I mean, it's just so weird to say this in this market, but they've got one of the best lines in football and rivers will have some time and he's got a fast release. He doesn't need much time to get the ball off. So, or not much room. So yeah, the, the guys they have and the guys are going to get, aren't going to just be asked to run slants all day long and, and, re- and receiver screens all day long, which is what Jacoby did. A couple of things before we wrap up here. Um, and I was, talking about this with a buddy of mine the other day. Uh, and I don't know if there's one answer that really jumps out to you, which probably makes it a good question, because I don't think any of these teams were heading for a title or anything like that. But which of the Indiana teams, Greg, in your mind, was most hurt by COVID shutting everything down? Ooh. You know, we had kind of three, the first, the three that come to mind all had the same sort of deal. IU basketball, was finally going to get to the tournament and find and we'll see what they do, but they, they they needed you know Archie needed that. Butler had a team that that was had found itself a little bit late after falling off a cliff uh, in the, the month before late, um, but once upon a time they were a top five team in the country, although they didn't never look that good, but they were. So they missed out on on a chance to see what they were going to be. Then the Pacers were overachieving even with Victor out, and then. Not not terribly good when he came back, but he was starting to get better. And we'll never know what they were going to have, but they were overachieving too. So we had three teams that I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. All three of them needed this postseason to see where they're at. And I, but what I'm going to go with is, is IU basketball. I'm going to go with that because while everybody knows they probably were a tournament team, and I mean 98 percent were, they Archie still hasn't gotten there yet. And, and you give them a mulligan on this one, but still hadn't gotten there yet. IU basketball yeah. fans haven't seen a team in the tournament yet uh, since, you know, for four years now. So I, I'm going to say that hurt IU more than anybody else. Yeah, because I think that Nebraska win was really the last chance for them to play their way out. So once they beat Nebraska, I, I felt like they were going to be in pretty good footing to be a 10 seed or something like that. I agree with you because I, I think Butler had the potential to make the second weekend, but I kind of like the fact that they ended – 
there's something fitting about Kamar Baldwin ending a spectacular four-year career with a game-winning three at Xavier, isn't it? I mean, isn't yeah. that a, a, I know, of course, he'd rather play in the NCAA tournament and all that, but there's something perfect, I think, about that ending, specifically for Kamar, who was so clutch for them for so many years, really starting when he hit the game-winner against Villanova, um, number, who was number one at the time as a freshman. Um, the Pacers, I think, were going to be first-round fodder anyway in a 4-5 series. Um, they had started to turn the corner a little bit, but feels like we've kind of seen that movie before with them. So I do think it's IU because we could assume that they were going to make the tournament, and you know, I have no idea if they would win a game or maybe even win two games and surprise everybody, but I, I think it would have been a, a really positive step forward for the program to find that you know, they can say all they want. Oh, well, we would have been in the NCAA tournament, but this has been taken away from them now forever. Now, now you can't technically count this as an NCAA tournament appearance, even if that looked like uh, where they were going to be heading. So I'm, I'm kind of with you as well. You know um, what? I, I actually, I have a team that the, the, the team that got the hurt, hurt the most by this, I'm going to go with the Lawrence central boys basketball team. Um, Dre Davis, and Nigel pack. Uh, they had two of the 10 best players in the state. And I, I mean, who knows? Uh, hold on. Am I wrong? Did they get? Did they? Did they lose in the playoffs? You, you know, know what? Honestly, I gotta look it up. It's been so long, I forgot. So, <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. I'm saying that. Now I'm thinking my, they got. My bounced. brain has turned. I don't know about you, but my brain has turned to absolute mush over the oh. last three weeks. I think we all have, really. Oh yeah, there's no question. I mean, I'm, I'm. You know, when you get absent-minded, when you start dropping stuff, I'm they drop were in that stuff. really brutal sectional. I know that. Yeah, no, I was about to say they they got denied the chance to win a state, but I think they they might have been washed out already. I feel like they I feel like they got beaten already. I'm looking up their um, schedule right here from earlier this season. Sorry, it's taking a second here because the internet is slow. Yeah, they did lose to LN in that. Unbelievable! I, I knew that that they had come in. That was the really really like murderous you know, death row sort of sectional that they were in. What is that, five? I don't even remember which sectional that is. But I, I'm, I'm the guy that had Lawrence Central winning a state championship, so don't ask me what sectional they were in. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and, and LN ended up winning that sectional. They, they ended up beating Warren. You know, and I wonder what, what Mr. Basketball is going to look like. You know, I kind of – obviously, you got to give it to somebody. I mean, you have to. But whoever they give it to – and there won't be an asterisk. We're not going to – we're not discredit Anthony Leal if he gets it at all. But – at this exact moment, it just doesn't feel doesn't feel right. We need the state tournament, Mister Basketball. Typically, you it doesn't go to the best player in the state champion, but but the state tournament is, is where we see guys kind of separate themselves, and uh, we never got that this year. I am glad, at the very least, we got to see the girls finish. So, speaking of LN, the the LN yeah. girls got to win a state championship. So, um, you know, at, at least we and and IUPUI. I was happy for the IUPUI women to punch their ticket to their first ever NCAA tournament as Horizon League champions, even though, of course, they didn't get to end up actually playing in the NCAA tournament. But I thought that was a, a great moment for that program as well. Well, thanks, Greg. Hang in. We actually banged out 35 minutes. No problem. Look at how that. about that? Well, yeah, we've been talking about a month's worth. I mean, how hard is that? Know, By right? the way, there will, be no, there will be no podcast next week. Um, I'm on my, my mandatory furlough week. The stars having employees take one one week is unpaid one one week unpaid furlough once a month for the next three months. So next week is my week, and I realize you know you you've been on a furlough for <laughs> much worse for for months. So I'm not I don't sure. I'm not I'm not going for woe is me. I'm just saying legally I can't do anything for the star next week. So I'm 
There you go. If, you, if anybody we just, to me. Yeah, no, we just wanted to get a catch-up episode in before the furlough so we can kind of return to full strength here in two weeks. I, yeah, I just man. didn't want to put it off any longer. Thanks to Clark for helping me figure this out technically because even though I'm still relatively young, I'm still kind of an idiot when it comes to this kind <laughs> of stuff. So we actually were able to do all this via Skype. All right, man, we'll enjoy the furlough and the cats, and uh, we will talk to you next time on the Doyle and Derek podcast. See ya. And Whitney. I will enjoy Whitney. Yes, sir. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.